Hello, story lovers. This week, I come to you with my guest, Elizabeth Hayward. Liz Hayward and I worked together on our on our short film, First Kill. It was an amazing experience. And this week, we're going to talk about the making of that and all of Elizabeth's adventures coming from Australia to the States. All of her work that she does as an actress, um, getting her master's letters in Shakespeare. But one thing that we talk about that I really wanted to take a moment to touch on before we dive into the episode is new motherhood and being an artist. Liz is a new mom. Um, and having had two children myself um, and trying to maintain my sanity in that um, world upheaval, trying to um, maintain being a part of my own art I know how hard it is when you first have a baby, especially there's, you know, a lot of stigma around women getting pregnant as if, well, now you've chosen motherhood instead of your art, right? You have to choose one or the other is sort of this unwritten rule. Nobody says it, but that's what it feels like. And I think that the tides are turning these days. Um, when I had my first son 20 years ago, I thought that, that that was it. And it's just not true. You don't have to choose one or the other. The only thing that you have to accept is that it's so much harder, so much harder to juggle being a mother and being an artist at the same time. But if you make the decision that you um, that motherhood is important to you and you want to be a mother, there's no reason why you can't also go after your art. It's just a matter of juggling it well. When I had first had my son 20 years ago, and then again, when I had my younger son 12 years ago, <laughs> I went through these um, phases of difficulty. The first year after you give birth is the hardest. You have this little newborn, you have to keep it alive, right? Nobody tells you how to keep it alive. You just have to go with your instinct and maybe read a book or two and get some help. But it's really stressful. You're probably going to go into fog brain mode, right? New baby fog brain is a thing. One thing I wish that I would have been better at is keeping myself immersed while also embracing motherhood. You, you put all your projects aside, right? You focus on this little baby and it can be hard and daunting when you want to jump back into it. For instance, if you've taken a year off or two years, some, some five years where you think, I just don't have time to think about anything artistic right now. I have to focus on being a mom. That happens. It happened to me um, it happens. It's happened to my friends. And those of us who have come back around to putting our feet back in the water of, of being an artist um, all have the similar thought that we wish we had, we would have stayed in it day to day so that it didn't feel so far in jumping back in. You can be creative while still being a little passive about your art, right? You, you're, you're exhausted. You, you cannot give all the time that you did to your writing or you can't go to the workshops. You can't do this. You can't do that that first year, right? So in year one, what you can do is watch great movies. I know that that sounds silly, but it's not because what happens is we go into hyper-focus mode on this baby and we forget about our own needs. We forget about the time that we need to spend giving to ourselves. So if the only thing that you can do for your yourself is watch a great movie. That's enough because when you watch great movies, your mind is processing story. Your, vis your, your eyes are processing the visuals, the acting. You're still being inspired, right? It's very dangerous to fall down the hole of motherhood and thinking that 
you have to give up your art entirely or subconsciously not wanting to touch it because it feels selfish. This is, this is a danger zone. Sometimes I know for me, it was really hard to compartmentalize. So I pushed it away because I didn't want to concentrate on it because it felt too difficult for me because I loved it so much that when I had to leave my art and go back to my baby, I was resentful. But then when I had to leave my baby to go to work, I was resentful. It's a tug of war that um, lots and lots of new mothers go through. So don't abandon your whole self. It's not healthy to do that. You can't be a whole mother and a good mother without keeping the part of yourself that's your own identity. That leads to dangerous places. So one thing that I wished that I would have done more is to take the time that when the baby's sleeping, when the baby takes a nap, don't, don't do the laundry. Don't, don't, don't. Take that, take that hour or two and watch a great movie and remind yourself of what you love. That's not a part of the household what you love outside of that house. That is self-care. You could even, depending on where your brain is at, right? If you're feeling good and you feel like you have some kind of brain cells that function, right? Um, You can go on YouTube, um, Studio Binder, No Film School. Those are my two favorite websites. They have tons of um, filmmaking, screenwriting, documentaries that can keep you inspired. Keep a, keep a notes list constantly working to just say, okay, I'm not going to write now, right? I have to, I don't have the energy to write right now, but that doesn't mean that I'm never going to write again. And it doesn't mean that I don't still have good ideas. So it's really important for new moms who are also writers to stay in touch with themselves as a writer. Because as I always say, you know, the writing part of yourself is not going away. You're only burying it. It's going to resurface. Keep your toe in the water, right? To find a way to stay involved. Even if you can't give it all of your time, you have to find a way to give it some of your time. So that once your baby starts um, being somewhat self-sufficient, once they start going to preschool, right? And you have time again to to, to focus on yourself, you're going to be sad if you've just spent three years not thinking about your work at all. It's going to be harder to get back into the swing of things. So I urge you to make your art a priority. And when I say art, I mean, in any form whatsoever, watching a great movie, watching a great documentary is part of this process. It absolutely is part of this process. Reading a book. If you're, if you're a playwright, reading plays, it's part of self-care. Ask for help. The biggest thing that you can do is ask for help. Find a way to make yourself your, the priority. The way that you can be a good mom is by making the things that are important to you important and give them weight, give them value. So I just wanted to take a minute to come on here and send out a warm hug to all of my new moms out there. I know how hard it is to constantly feel like you're being pulled in two different directions towards your children and towards your art. It's very painful but you don't have to choose. We're able to give 100% to our kids and 100% to our work. And only moms know how to do that math, but it works out. (laughs) 
So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode this week. Um, I really always enjoy talking with Liz. She's super smart. I have so much respect for her as a woman, a new mom, and an actress and a writer. All right, here we are with my latest guest. This week is um, Elizabeth Hayward, and I'm so happy to have her with me. (laughs) Hi, Amanda. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. It's so good to uh, talk with you again. It's been a while. You've been really busy. I have, and so have you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We we did First Killed together, which was so much fun. And I spoke about that process in a previous podcast explaining how um, you workshopped the script. And then from workshopping the script was able to win contests. And then, um, you know, and then next thing you know, we're, we're shooting the short, which was so much fun. So I'd been acting for quite a few years and I I knew I wanted to do a short film, but I wasn't sure exactly what kind of story I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted female leads and I wanted a female director. So I thought about a story for a little while and I finally sat down one day and I was like, okay, I have to write this. And I made a commitment to write five pages and, you know, it's about half a short. Great, great. (laughs) And I realized once I started, I couldn't stop. And so I just went through the whole way and I wrote, I think it was 10 pages and I had my film. And then what? <laughs> um, I finally decided to read it out loud, you know, because I wanted to hear it. And that helped me even just with the grammatical errors. And I'd say to anybody, read it out loud a few times. It's going to show you the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I contacted our friend, Beverly Leach, which is my, was well, my acting coach, still is sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and asked her, what do I do? what do I do with a script? I, you know, I'm an actor and she put me on to you and I was lucky enough to come to your writing group and everyone was so supportive and we read it out loud again. And that was shocking to hear other people say the words sounded so different. (laughs) And it was so important though, because it made me realize which characters needed work or, um, which were fine and um, which areas to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then you started submitting to festivals. What festivals did you submit to specifically that accept um, screenplays? So I was specifically looking for short uh, screenplay submissions and Holly Shorts at the time, it's a lot bigger now, but it was up and coming. And so I submitted there and it takes a few months, obviously. So I started submitting around, it was Austin Comedy, um, short film festival and then the Nice International Film Festival as well. But Holly Shorts came up first yeah. and uh, I was one of 43 finalists. So I went along to the awards show expecting not to have to do anything. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I like, oh, well, I'll enjoy the show. And sure enough, I hear my name is the runner up. And uh, now I'm having to do an interview. And I was like, oh, I didn't prepare for this. <laughs> um, but it was huge because it was validation now that I could be a writer as well as an actor. Yeah. And I would say that to anybody writing yeah. a short script, just submit it, see what feedback you get, because even if you don't win, you might get some really valuable feedback. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I remember when you brought the script in and, um, and we read it and I would, and I thought, this is good. <laughs> this is really good. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> So, so what are you going to do now? Are you going to continue to, I know you're acting, you're always acting and, um, but, um, are you going to continue to write your own stuff? I know that you also have this amazing pilot, um, that is being shopped around, um, murder in Marsh, which is so much fun. Um, (laughs) what did I call it? A, uh, a British cottage Cottage. crime caper. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> a British cottage um, crime caper. Who doesn't want to watch that, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I thought, okay, I can be braver and write some pilots and stuff now. So, yeah, Murder Marsh is the one I'm focusing on. And again, female leads want to have it female directed. That's my goal, you know, get us more jobs in the entertainment industry for women. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I'm doing a um, a short film class right now through the female lens and really sitting with how the male lens permeates everything that we've been consuming forever. And, mm-hmm. and now it's time to stop and say, you know, you know, what would happen if we started writing stories where women were not the objects of mm-hmm. desire or disdain? right? We're just not objects. We're exactly, we're, you know, we're our own entities. So it's, um, it's, it's so much fun to, to see how you continue to find ways to explore um, female leads in situations that have nothing to do with marriage or right. finding a date. <laughs> exactly. Right. They're the leads of their own story without all of that. Yes, yes, exactly. So um, here you are, you started out as an actress, you said, I'm going to write five pages and you write five pages, you submit, you win all of these festivals, we do our short, the short wins all these festivals. Now you're doing your pilot, you're getting it out there, right? What have you learned? What have you learned on this journey that you would tell yourself back then? To trust yourself that you can do it. And that if you've had the tools, if you've been reading scripts like I had as an actor for years, if you've been reading plays, you understand the structure and you'll know whether it's working or not. You just have to trust yourself and then go and seek out other people. Go to a class. Even if you've written a bunch of scripts and it's a screenwriting class, you could still bring those as new scripts to work on. You know, it's you need the advice, you need some feedback, and then you just have to trust yourself. Yeah. Was the Actors Gym the first workshop you had ever been to or had you been to others or was that the first one? First writing thing ever. I was terrified, (laughs) but it worked out for me, thankfully. We're we're a very uh, kind, collaborative group. So you you walked into the right room. So that's great. I was so lucky. Um, yeah, um, that's really so important to, to really trust yourself reading scripts. Tell me about reading scripts because so many people don't do this enough and Mm -hmm. not understanding the more that you read screenplays, the more that structure is just going to be ingrained in your head. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I, I would actually read some screenplays out loud as well to hear it. And then I would, I'd like to read this screenplay first if I can, and then watch the film so I can understand how it went from the page to the screen and what actually worked or maybe what they had to cut because it was too difficult. Um, Certainly, I still hate myself for writing four vehicles into my short film. (laughs) That was definitely a newbie mistake, (laughs) a costly mistake, but somehow our amazing uh, Ryan fixed it for for everything. I don't know how he managed to get cars for the price he did, but he made it happen. (laughs) We we did have four cars, didn't we? We had four cars. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one being a tow truck and one being a police vehicle, which was, oh, yeah. amazing. Amazing. Shout <laughs> out to Ryan. Ryan Richter was our Ryan wonderful Richter. producer. He'll, he'll be on, he'll be on the show soon. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, re- reading was so important because I also realized that aesthetically it was certain things that they were doing, um, helped me for sound or italicizing. I was like, Oh, okay. That's important. And I may not have known that if I was just winging it and trying to write it myself. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you're originally from Australia. I am. So, so <laughs> tell me, you're in Australia. Were you studying acting in Australia um, when you were there? How did, tell me how you all of a sudden you wake up one day and you realize I'm not typical. I'm going to be an artist because this world is not where I'm driving. Tell me about that. I'll probably blame my mother because she used to take me to the theater all the time. Uh, and then I started reading as all plays when I was younger. Uh, my mom had them and I fell in love with Shakespeare, Chekhov. And I asked my mom if I could go to a, a sort of performing arts school. It wasn't exactly performing arts, but they did a lot of plays. And we took plays on tour. And I was fortunate enough to be accepted into the Young Actors Studio at the National Institute of Dramatic Art, which is like our main school. And uh, after that, I wanted to go to L.A. A lot of people in Australia and in the U.K. do a gap year. So you don't go to college straight away. Yeah. So I came over to the U.S. on a student visa to study acting in L.A. And... Then I got an agent <laughs> and then I started doing a little bit of work and then I got a work visa and I stayed. So yeah. 15 years later, right. here I am. <laughs> right. And you, did you ever go back to university or did you oh, just yes. not? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. So I ended up going part time. Uh, I actually got my degree in ancient history because I'd studied acting for so long. I actually went to a few classes for acting and they kind of told me they're like, this probably isn't right. You already spent your years doing this. So yeah. I was interested in history. So I got my undergrad in history. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah. So, um, so tell me this. So, you know, <laughs> what's the biggest, what's the biggest lesson you've had to learn on this journey? You know, if you, if you, you could, you know, word of caution, here's what I did here. Here's where I'm at. What, 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 what do you say? Just don't do this besides write four vehicles into your first short. <laughs> um, I'd say the biggest thing that I've learned is you have to do your research. Mm. You have to know how much something costs. Are you using union actors? What do you have to do for that? Mm. Um, and where you're spending your money to submit to festivals. Look the festivals up. Go to their website. Is it going to be worth your money and time? Mm -hmm. um, and will you have a chance? Are they looking for the kind of script that you're writing. There are um, a lot of festivals now too, um, not necessarily for short screenplays, but um, feature and TV pilots. They're looking for female written work. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a female writer, seek that out. It's to your advantage. And when you go searching, because as we know, there are hundreds of them, right? Mm -hmm. So you go and you seek out these film festivals. What are you looking for that lets you know these ones are valid? This is this is worth it. And this one isn't. How do you decipher that if you're brand new to this field? Well, I look at so Film Freeway is amazing because it has reviews. Those reviews oh. will basically tell you everything you need. Um, so I, you know, I've seen some hilarious comments, you know, about there was meant to be, and of course COVID is different. So stuff went online, but in the past, you know, they would say, oh, we're having this amazing event or whatever. And it turns out there's basically nothing at all. And people flew there. So yeah, you want to make sure you're not wasting your time. Yeah. So um, film freeway. Film, we forget what an amazing resource Film Freeway is. Mm -hmm. And is Coverfly, too. That's a, another good one. But Film Freeway tends to have the same ones that Coverfly has anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They work in tandem. I tend to think that Coverfly is for written work and then mm -hmm. Film Freeway is more for the produced materials for right. the most part, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, for those of you who are listening, who don't know what Coverfly or film freeway is, look it up immediately. These are resources that I, when I was coming up, did not have, 
You know, mm-hmm. I talk about this all the time, the blacklist, these resources we did not have. These are fairly new and it's a bridge for people to actually get their work done. Like Elizabeth coming here from Australia, writing her short, getting feedback. And next thing you know, we're filming and submitting. And now it's won uh, six awards, 15 nominations. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe more to come, right? <laughs> so you are a new mom. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> that was, um, you know, especially during COVID that was unexpected, but you know what? I was so glad because you feel this pressure to work and everything. And then I, all of a sudden I was able to have all this time off and yeah. write and, yeah. um, go to graduate school. So yeah. it's been a busy time. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the time, the, the quarantine has been busy. That's good. You know, something that I love so much and I, I I'm, Every single episode, I'm hit with this moment where, you know, um, I'm bringing people on the show and I say, well, what have you been doing with, with, with your quarantine? And like, mm-hmm. everybody's doing stuff. Everybody's doing stuff. And, and, and it's just such a testament to the artist's spirit that we're not going to be beaten and you're going to not let us go places. Well, then we're going to do it in our living room. We're going to do it however we can do it. And so, um, and so I'm so happy to hear that, uh, that you're still, um, creating while you're mommying. It's hard. It's, <laughs> it's so hard. Um, I'm, I have two children and, you know, to, to compartmentalize, you know, the artist part with the caretaker part can, yes. get, can be overwhelming. But, you know, if you don't, if you don't make sure that you make time to be the creator, it gets messy. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very thankful to my boyfriend because he certainly takes on a lot of the caretaking so that I can do what I need to do. But it's important because it makes me a better mom to have that time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're lucky, we're lucky as artists that we do have that outlet at our fingertips to say, I know what I have to do. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of moms don't know how to, you know, I mean, you could call it self-care, you know, working yourself into the ground while you're writing over here (laughs) (laughs) can be considered self-care, but you know, a lot of, um, a lot of women don't, don't have that at the ready to Mm -hmm. say, here's how I need my break and here's how I'm going to focus. And and it's so important for new moms to take the initiative to say, I need this time. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that's great. I'm glad that you have a supportive, um, partner who's helping you. And as actors and writers, we're so used to having to balance weird schedules and that kind of thing. So it kind of prepared me for being a mother. I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> I can make yep. this happen. Yep, we're we're juggling anyway. You just, <laughs> yeah. just another ball in the juggle. <laughs> I always joke around because um, you know, growing up in New York City, we would go out dancing till four in the morning and the bars mm-hmm. were open till four o'clock and you know, whatever. And uh and so when I had my first son and it was like three in the morning and I was exhausted and he wouldn't sleep, finally I was I was like getting really down and something clicked and I thought, you know what, if you had a beer and a DJ, you'd be fine. <laughs> You've never been tired a night in your life. You get it together. (laughs) There's some extra energy there. (laughs) And you're not tired. 
<laughs> so true. So that's <laughs> oh, funny. Some mice. Yeah, and I've been there. I've had her in the carrier, and she's like half asleep, half awake, and I'm typing on the computer. I'm just like, yeah. I got this. Super right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love women. I love women and what we do, and get no credit for it. We are right. always, always juggling. You know, my art gets a hundred percent of my brain, and my children get a hundred percent of my brain, and only a mom can do that math. Because yes. that's so true. <laughs> I would happily hire any mom. <laughs> so what's the craziest thing, right? So so we all have our crazy stories of the craziest thing that we had to overcome or that's happened to us, right? These crazy Hollywood stories. <laughs> well, this is, you know, it's a strange one. It's not like really controversial or anything, but it really uh, mentally had to get over it. Um, so I was on a shoot and they had told me that it would be a funeral scene. and. I didn't really think about it much, you know, that my character had died. Um, but there's something strange about coming to your own funeral and, you know, your photos and all the. <laughs> Did you have to be in the casket? Yes. And they oh, wanted boy. an open casket. And that was fine. You know, I was like, this is a little strange. But then it was once I started talking to some of the props people that I discovered that um, coffins are actually often rented like the pretty ones. And they just put like a cardboard in there and then, you know, they reuse it and they bury them in something else to which oh. I found out was exactly the situation for the coffin that I was currently in. <laughs> so it had been rented. Had been a- <laughs> <laughs> so that was really hard. That was a tough day on set. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> and so, so what is it like first kill our short, you wrote it and you starred in it. And what, what, what does it feel like when you have to take the writer hat off mm-hmm. and give control over, and now you're acting in your own piece? I think it all comes down to your choice and director. And I was so fortunate because I knew you had my exact vision and I didn't even have to worry about it. I didn't have to think about it. I knew you would take control and figure it out and I could be the actor. And I'm so thankful to you because I know that wouldn't always be the situation. And I had even been contact. I think, you know, I'd been contacted by someone else before we spoke about directing the piece and she was lovely, um, but she wanted to change the film And it was really hard for me because we ended up deciding that we wouldn't work together. And I was scared because I was like, I've never made something before. And this is the first interest I've had. Mm. So it was hard to trust myself that, okay, you know, this might not be the match. And then you and I ended up uh, meeting and chatting and we decided it was going to work. And I'm so glad that I had waited because it wouldn't be the film it was otherwise. Oh, that's great. I really appreciate that. We did have such a great collaborative um, um, relationship. It really yeah. was just so um, magical, really, in in when, you know, you're speaking the same language. Something else I talk about on on the this, this Story Love podcast all the time is um, Sydney Lamette says mm-hmm. that, you know, um, you have to all be making the same movie. And yes. if you're not all making the same movie, it's not going to, it's not going to work. The ship's not going to sail. And, and, and so when you, so I think a great takeaway is um, you have to find the people who are making the same movie as you, which starts with what you said earlier, which was you have to trust yourself mm-hmm. that the movie that you want to make is worth it. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. And that you're going to be spending probably a lot of money, a lot of time, resources. Don't make the wrong movie. Like, it's okay. Just wait a, wait a minute till you can have the right people working with you. 
Yeah. Don't make any movie. Make the movie you want to make. Yes. You know, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You got to choose the right team right down to your producer who, you know, he's going to do everything that he can to make what we wanted to happen, happen. Um, and, and I saved us so many times. <laughs> I mean, and if he said this, we can't do this. We believed him a hundred percent that we couldn't mm-hmm. do it. And, and in all fairness, I don't think there was much that he said we couldn't do. Right. Uh, yeah. He, so he made things happen that I didn't think could happen. <laughs> um, we were, we were so lucky and everyone, I feel like was like that on set, all the actors were willing to do everything they could to be there and do their best for us and all the crew. Um, yeah. I, uh, they worked their hearts out and I couldn't believe it cause it was my baby. So of course I was going to work my heart out, but you know, I didn't expect that necessarily from everyone else. So I'm grateful. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful when you find the people who love what they are doing as much as you do. That's another, another uh-huh. big key in finding your crew, the people that you want to have around you. It's people who, who love it so much that they're going to do it anyway. You know, we're not, nobody wants to work for free and nobody should work for free, but the exactly. idea that you do it because you love it, mm-hmm. um, it makes all the difference in the world, you know? Um, yeah, we had a wonderful crew. So, so now you're doing your master's of letters in Shakespeare and performance, right? So tell yes. us <laughs> on that. Tell us what that's uh, like. So once I was writing, um, the screenplays, you know, I, obviously love theater, always have. And that's how I got into it was by reading plays. And I started writing plays in iambic pentameter. Um, and so I was like, okay, I probably should know more than I do. And so I started looking into graduate programs when COVID happened, because all work was shutting down and found this great program, Shakespeare and Performance, in, it's in conjunction with the American Shakespeare Center. And basically we look at text and how it was created and um, early modern drama and compositors and how they would change uh, words whenever they wanted. <laughs> Same as editors today, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I've just finished my first year and I got one more year to go. And it's been an incredible experience. This is hilarious. Liz, this is hilarious. You crack me up. <laughs> just like the girl who comes in and says, well, I wrote my first short and I read it. And I'm like, what? what? This is this is number one. And you're like, yeah, I start writing plays and I'm going to write an iambic pentameter. (laughs) Why did we stop doing it? That's my question. Do you have the goal to then produce these plays that you're going to write in iambic pentameter? Absolutely. That is my goal. And I wanted to meet the people who would be interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. I thought this would be the place to do it. Um, It's a strange way to go about writing a play in that manner, but I feel like we're used to it. We're used to hearing Shakespeare. It's not something that's alien to us. I just want to have it a little bit more in a modern setting or alluding to a modern setting. Right. Are you using old English? Uh, Yes and no. So it depends. On my longer play, I have used um, early modern English. And then in my uh, shorter plays, I'm using today's language. So I'm trying both out. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Have you considered um, audio dramas? I have. Um, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I submitted uh, the longer one to uh, oh, is it the Austin Film Festival because they have an audio drama thing. And I, I think I just got a reader who uh, didn't appreciate 
uh, having <laughs> really modern English <laughs> because they were like, why didn't you write this in, you know, like modern language? And I was like, okay, well, that's all right. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, 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 that's just such a great note too. Like if you get a note from someone who just doesn't get it, you, you, yeah. What there's nothing you're going to do with that. Right. Exactly. So, and that's right. fine. You know, that wasn't their thing. That's cool. <laughs> right. 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 Um, it's so interesting. So interesting. I'm so interested to see where you're going to, um, where you're going to take this. And so in terms of where you're living, where are you now? I'm in Stan, Virginia, which is where the American Shakespeare Center is. Do you find that you're able to work just as well now outside of LA? This is this big discussion of you don't have to be mm. in LA anymore. You really can be anywhere. What are your thoughts on that? Having been in LA and now, now you're in Virginia. I think it's half and half. I feel like this year that I've been here, it's been fine because of COVID. So, um, you know, all auditions I've been doing have been through Zoom. Um, and I've been able to obviously submit scripts online. So that doesn't really matter. I, I'll be interested to see how it affects me as an actor as the industry is coming back now. Um, obviously, yeah. I am able to work on things here in DC, but I worry about auditions going back full time in person. So, but as a writer, I think you can be anywhere. And that's the truth, isn't it? As a writer, you really, you really can now be anywhere. You're not beholden to being in this place unless you want to write, I guess, for television right. um, that shoots in LA. So there is that. But yeah, Liz, it's so good to talk to you and hang out again. And uh, yeah, and I know we'll be working together again in the future. We have to. We have and I can't to. wait to see your iambic pentameter plays. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun talking with you. And thank you for this. It was a lot of fun.